You're listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves into the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or game design. Each week, Roger is joined by Joe, Vince, and Marty. Sometimes we look back at our past and we don't see people or memories, what we see are ghosts. And every now and then, sometimes those ghosts cross paths and sort of breathe new life into each other and reach almost a point of humanity again. It's a weird thing, but it's a, a sort of a classic trope that has been done in movies and comics and all sorts of media throughout time. And Overwatch is no exception to this several of their characters uh, have lived other lives beyond the ones that they're leading now uh, they are taking up mantles of mass crusaders or bounty hunters trying to shed the life that they once led and go after new personality new ideals and sort of in, embody something else well today we got an interesting story that does exactly that, shows us exactly that, uh, and it's called Bastet. It's a story about Anna and Soldier 76, and about their life sort of coming back from the dead. And it takes place shortly after the comic book that we saw, you know, the sort of Mexico headhunting that was happening with uh, Soldier 76, and then the Egypt stuff that was happening with Soldier 76 as he's hunting down Reaper. And it was more characterization for these two in particular than I think we've ever had. And Overwatch is sort of unique in that. Like, their 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 story, their lore doesn't happen in-game. It all happens through short stories or comic books uh, or little shorts that happen outside of the universe so that even if you don't like the game, you can sort of still participate in sort of the, the splendor of these characters becoming more alive. So the story takes place with Anna basically coming back from the dead and making herself known for the first time. She hasn't even told her daughter she's back yet. And Soldier 76, or Jack, sort of doing the same. He's he's in the middle of this headhunting. He's, he's got this, this name going out. He's striking fears of this vigilante, but then he gets shot by Reaper at close range and it's Anna who winds up saving him and it's sort of this this retouch of humanity in both of their lives as they're trying to so long to detach themselves from who they were that little tiny snippets come back and what's interesting here is we started to learn a little bit more about Soldier 76 character now you can say that this is a quiet confirmation but it is a confirmation nonetheless where in the story it is confirmed that Jack Morrison, Soldier 76, is in fact gay. And the person that we saw in all those images, that, that person that he had his arm around in the comic books and in the shorts, was his lover, at Vincent. It's a very interesting revelation. And not the first time they've done this through a comic or a short. In fact, they show Tracer very nonchalantly with her girlfriend uh, during the Christmas short when that was was released. Uh, I think it was Reflections, which it, it's it's nice to see more representation. Uh, 
the other thing is that there's some interesting mechanical things that are going on with it where we're starting to get more answers to more questions like in reflections reaper is basically stalking a family well we know now by confirmation through this that of all the overwatch people only a few of them were able to have families reaper was one of them as was anna and so now this adds sort of this other flavor of is reaper stalking his former family is he you know what's actually going on there and it's very very cool i like this short i thought it was a very good read uh it was very interesting and i thought it played out uh, while a little bit cliched very very nice as far as like giving us some more character growth from again characters that we normally wouldn't see anything with besides throw off lines inside of the game did either did any of you guys get a chance to read this or go through this at all i skimmed it because uh, I was at work and I'm not the biggest Overwatch fan or player, but I did get to the part where Soldier 76, you know, and makes it very clear that his partner, Jason, uh, and Anna has, you know, no judgment on it. Uh, I don't know enough about Overwatch to know that I should care, um, but should. I dug it. So it was good. You definitely should. <laughs> I haven't read the uh, the short yet. I'm, I'm dying to read it, though. I actually have a question for you, though, Joe. Yeah. Because you mentioned how they revealed Tracer, and I adored how they revealed Tracer because it wasn't uh, making a big deal of it. It's clearly they knew it would be a big deal because idiots will make a big deal out of it but at the same time also people champion championing that they want representation will also make a big deal so there's a a pro and a con to it uh, but they presented it just it's it was just there and i love that like that's something that uh for the stuff that tristan and i are working on the stories that's what we're kind of aiming towards that a person's sexuality, while it may be revealed in a story at some point, isn't going to be thrown in your face of, hey, look at me, I'm gay or I'm bi or whatever. It's just as you progress through the story, you, you realize, oh, this person is that. And it's not it's not meant to be a big deal. That's just life, you know? And so I really liked how they did that with Tracer. Is the same thing done here where it's just, tangentially into yep. the story and it's like oh okay now we see yeah it's it's not like they don't make a big deal out of it it's not more than maybe a couple sentences and it's not like oh you know i miss my lover and over dramatizing it it's literally it's i thought i would have this life and i couldn't give him this life so i moved on oh that's and, wonderful that's that's yeah, so exactly it, what we want yeah, and that's why a lot of people are complaining that it's like a, a quiet sort of reveal. But those are the best ones to me because they're just, they're natural. They're not just thrown away. They're not just like made the highlight of the entire story because it's not the highlight of the story. The, the highlight of the story is sort of Anna's transformation from coming back from this person that doesn't want anything to do with her former life to saying, yes, I have unfinished business. Let's go take care of things. You know, it, it's just something that's there as growth, which was really important. That sounds good. Excellent. So yeah, it, if you haven't had a chance to read it yet, it's something that I think you should read through. It's 18 pages, but honestly, there's a lot of uh, artwork in there as well. So it's more like probably 10 pages of, of dialogue and, and story. 
but still well worth your time. Uh, even if you're just kind of tangentially really uh, like interested in Overwatch, it's worth watching or worth. I've actually been playing a ton of Overwatch lately. I've been, um, I've been finding it actually very, very good for me. Um, the, the holidays were bad. I nearly broke my fucking leg. So there was a lot of pain. And I found that when I'm loopy on pain meds, I can still concentrate <laughs> on Overwatch. I can still play <laughs> and I can still be twitchy and have fun and not have to worry about remembering the story elements or different things or, or trying to think too much, basically, was what it breaks down to. And I've just been playing the fuck while well, I was playing before we started. It was like, I saw you guys in the channel. I was going, oh, fuck, they're early. And I'm like halfway through my match here. <laughs> but no, I've been really, really liking um, uh, playing it. But the thing that strikes me again is that while there has been some stupidity in the news as of late because of the game, not because of the game, but because of idiots in the game, um, the game itself continues to be inclusive. And I respect that. So the fact that I enjoy playing a shooter that is brilliantly constructed and on top of that has a cast of characters that I really actually care about and I really enjoy has been a lot of fun. And for the past maybe month, I've been doing strictly random heroes. Well, almost strictly random heroes, except for the the May Winston event because I just like beating the shit out of Mays. <laughs> but... but um, but no, I've been playing random, so I'm playing a lot of different heroes that I normally would not choose and getting used to them and, and enjoying them more as well by virtue of understanding the mechanics better. But it's also offered this wonderful opportunity to get a lot more of the, the random dialogues that you get because most games still do have a lot of the same characters if you're going in be it the latter stuff or just regular quick plays. And so you kind of get used to those canned phrases, but when you start tossing a lot of random characters together, I'm still hearing shit that I have not heard yet. It's like, oh, well, that was interesting, and I really dig that a lot. Moving away from there and moving on to another shooter, though, that is coming out actually soon. It's coming out in February 19th. Am I, am I right, Vince? Uh. 19th or the 24th, somewhere around there, yeah. Yeah, so that's Anthem, and we did get some more news about it. Yeah, over December, uh, they had a couple more of their live streams, which I continue to really enjoy. It's nice to to see a look at the game in progress, and if you compare the latest live stream to the first one they did, they are making some serious progress on the game, uh, technologically and gameplay-wise. But also, again, I just really enjoy seeing the people making the game having fun playing the game. Uh, the latest live stream they did was a run-through of a Stronghold, essentially their version of Strikes from Destiny. And they ran through with a three-person group, and it was looked fun, but again, it was just the three of them, like, being normal people and, like, joking with each other. And, like, like we would be if we were playing, like, talking shit. Like, at one point, the, the one who was actually streaming the video just flew and accidentally hit a wall and one of them looked over to his screen is like a oh, great view of that wall that you're giving our audience guys so <laughs> it was fun just to see them enjoying the game and actually showing off the gameplay and teaching us stuff so it was really cool to see like the actual strike strike stronghold gameplay 
it seemed pretty intense at points with like missile turrets firing at them and snipers and it really required a good amount of group coordination as far as which targets they're taking out they anytime one of them tried to be a hero and move off honestly they died <laughs> so they showed off like combo gameplay of like elemental effects like even Every class can both start or end combos with various different variations of it. Uh, like, for example, with the Storm class, if there's a, a status effect on an enemy and then a Storm ends that combo, it'll then spread that status effect to other nearby enemies. Whereas with the Infiltrator, if they do a melee combo on an enemy that has a status effect, it'll actually create an aura on the Infiltrator and then as they run around, it'll spread that status effect to whatever enemies they go after. So really good gameplay, team-oriented stuff. But the one I was really looking forward to was the one they did a couple weeks previous, showing off the actual loot and uh, mechanical customizations with the games. Uh, previously, they did the ornamental customizations, which was really cool to see. But actually getting into, all right, here's how you're going to be able to load out your characters and specialize them. And I was very impressed with what I saw. As I, I talked about, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, I was impressed with this last video. In terms of, in terms of obviously the graphics, in terms of... The, oh, the, the one I posted in Discord? Yeah. And then the, yeah. the gameplay actually looked fun. Enough so that mm -hmm. as I'm watching it, I'm thinking, oh, fuck. <laughs> like, I mean, am I going to be buying this game now? Because, well, I know that the others aren't very interested, so we definitely won't be playing together, and you are going to be playing on a different system than me if I buy it. But it it looked like a Destiny 2, but more fun. And I don't know that that's <laughs> what it will be, and they might very well fuck it up with loot boxes or all kinds of other stupidity as well. Who the hell knows? But from the gameplay alone christ did it ever look fun like mm -hmm. really fun yeah it, as i've said they've learned a lot about how to market this game since they first showed it off but back to my point uh with the customization i talked about a while back one of the first uh videos they showed off was like how you can customize your skills how essentially you have two primary skill slots each has five different skills available to slot into it, and then a support slot with two skills that you can put into it. I'm like, okay, that offers a certain amount of customization, but I didn't realize that it's not just, okay, I equip this skill. The skills, since they're actual additions to your armor, be it, you know, wrist-mounted rocket launchers or, uh, you know, the sigils that you put on the, the storm armor, the skills themselves are drops. So they have various levels of power, various levels of rarity, and that. So uh, the basic ones you have, obviously, common, uncommon, and rare. That's pretty much what you're going to be dealing with through the leveling process of the game. And not only is each higher rarity and higher level more powerful, it has modifiers on it. This is the same with your actual weapons that you can equip as well as uh, components, as they're called, essentially like their passive skills that you can slot into your suit. They all, as a baseline, make you stronger because they have a higher power level, but each one of them rolls modifiers, just like, uh, like the legendary modifiers in Destiny. How, you know, you can have a weapon where, it, you know, it reloads a bullet when you get a couple headshots in a row. Every item 
in Anthem has similar traits like that. It could be something as simple as uh, increases your amount of flight speed or makes your AoE detonations bigger. But since they're all random rolls, and you're going to be getting a number of these as you're progressing through the game, it gives you a lot of really cool customization. Like, for example, you could have two flamethrowers that you can equip on your Colossus. One of them builds up the, the flame faster, so it's more likely to ignite enemies and start a combo. So that's something you're really going to want for group play. Whereas another one might not have that effect, but have a larger AoE. So if you're clearing out enemies in like a solo mission, that's the one you're going to want to equip. Lots of customization, many different loadouts that you can pre-select for your javelins to, to make this obviously easier as you're going out into the field. And then they started talking about masterwork tier, which is what's above rare. Masterworks are akin to exotic items in Destiny or legendaries in Diablo 3, where a masterwork, in addition to having the randomly generated uh, inscriptions, I believe they're called, every masterwork item has a dedicated special ability. So you'll have uh, an assault rifle that when you get a kill with it, it creates uh, an explosion of electricity. And that's intrinsic to that specific item. And then on top of that, it has the random rolls. There's a tier even above that called legendary, which is uh, using the Diablo metaphor. If you have a legendary item in Diablo, then you can get an, uh, what is it, an ancient legendary it's called? Yeah. Which is the exact same item, just more powerful. And that's what the legendary items are. They're the exact same items as the masterworks, just with higher stats. See, and they, what's the point of that, though? There's, there's got to be a point where you stop and say, how many fucking tiers do we need? <laughs> like, <laughs> Well, I, I like the way they're doing it because for a number of players who aren't going to be playing it like super hardcore, you can get masterwork items. But if you do like the end game stuff, you can get the legendary items, which are more powerful, but they're not different. I like that they're, they're keeping a higher tier of gear that you're not losing any abilities or any really cool stuff by not doing the highest tier of content. You're just, your gear score number isn't as high. That's all it is. I like that. Yeah, see, I'm not a fan of, like, I'm all right with, like, three, maybe even four tiers, but there's a point where it just becomes so blatantly obvious that this is just a gear grind. They can't figure out what to do or make you do beyond this point, so you're going to want to grind oh, look, there's actually one step above this legendary or whatever, like with, you said, Diablo, ancient legendary ones. Mm -hmm. And it's like, for fuck's sakes, find something else for us to do instead that is more fun than just going for that. And you're absolutely right. There's just, just like for me in Diablo, like once I got all my legendaries and stuff, I didn't care about the ancients. Like I was like, okay, this character's done. I can move on to something else. So knowing that there's, a tier that I'll probably never achieve, but other players who want to, that's fine with me. Like, I, there's there's a goal I can have in mind that's not crazy grinding for the most rare root drop, like rare loot drops, and that's kind of my comfort zone. See, to me, it's also because of what this will mean for PvP. So if it is a system wherein that insanely legendary gear is going to make a huge I'm difference. I'm going to be honest, I don't even know if PvP is in this game. See, I didn't know either. I I <laughs> assumed as much. How can you have a game like this and not have PvP in it? 
Like one of the things. Uh, going, Anthem will not have PvP. Really? Holy fucking yeah. hell! Oh well, okay then I don't care. <laughs> I take it all back. <laughs> right. So to take all this stuff together, they actually showed off uh, not an end game to your build, but a fully masterworked character with carefully selected loots and and all their stuff to show off really how all these different effects can harmonize to make a really fun playstyle. And they showed off a ranger, and this ranger was built around hovering around the battlefield and blowing stuff up with grenades, which is pretty simple. But when you look at how the gear enables that playstyle, of he had, uh, what was it? Uh, one of his items, I don't care which one. As long as he's hovering using his jump jets, his abilities recharge twice as fast. So he's spamming a lot of his abilities. If he kills an enemy with his rocket launcher ability, his grenades do more damage. And if he kills, if he gets multi-kills, which are very easy to do with high damage grenades, it recharges his shield and charges his ultimate faster. So his gameplay approach is find clumps of enemies, fly around, and blow them up. And he showed it off in practice. And it was really fun, really interesting, beyond the base playstyle that we've seen before that. But it also showed that this is a very specialized build. He's really good at this one thing. So if you're going to do a stronghold, he's the one clearing up the trash. But when it comes time to kill a boss, AOE damage doesn't really matter. So it's about coordinating with your friends and your playgroup about which loadouts you want to use. Also, since he's flying a lot, he's overheating. So he was trying to tactically position himself to take fights that were near bodies of water so he could keep himself cooled off more often. Otherwise, his cool build doesn't work. And it it's that cool gameplay customization where... Somebody could have almost the exact same items, but use them in a very different way. And I, that's what kind of clicked for me beyond like, okay, you have however many different skill loadouts and you could have a sniper rifle or a pistol or this and that. But seeing the way all the different bonuses work together and unlike a game like Destiny, you can equip as many of these as you want. You can have masterworks in every slot with that added perk of like again the 50% recharge rate or the extra damage. So seeing everything all together in action was actually really cool. And then I, I was thinking back to that stronghold video and they were talking about the the interceptor which is like the the fast ninja type class and he was saying, "Yeah, I have a component on this javelin that whenever I use my triple dash ability, it automatically reloads my primary weapon." I thought, okay, that's like a cool, like awesome thing you can put in. I didn't realize that's essentially like almost a standard item for that point of the game. So I'm thinking of like comparing it to Destiny, which I don't want to do too much. Destiny has a very limited number of things you can do with your character. You you have, you know, what is it now? Six different, well, three different subclasses, each with three different branches, but no customization within them other than I like this one the most. And you can customize your gear to a point, but those really cool effects like that, you get one weapon, one piece of armor. So, and when you have that limited amount, there's always a meta. There's always a best in slot. There's always a best build. But when you have this many different options, yes, somebody's going to theory craft like the to the percentage point, what is the best way to do things. But it at least feels, we'll see how it works in practice, that there's going to be numerous viable different ways to play each character 
Well, that's the thing. If when there are a lot of play styles that are available to you, certainly people will crunch those numbers. But the percentage, the difference is so small between which is actually the best and which is you know second or third or whatever that it's it's largely unimportant. And once again, if there's not going to be any PvP and all you're doing is PvE, that is way less important. It's a lot more about what do you want to play that's fun. Yeah, you want to mm-hmm. make sure you take down the boss so everybody's going to need to be well-equipped and everything and know how to play their class. But it's also, you know, have have fun with it. So this is sounding better every time you talk about it. Because every time I see it, it looks better. <laughs> that's That's the thing. I'm not overselling things every time i see the game i'm more impressed with it see the not only to, not to not to i'm going to buy it points because you know me <laughs> I, I i always have a feeling that there's a downside but from what they've presented it's starting to look pretty solid the only concern that i have uh, because largely most of the problems that i had before either have been addressed or i don't care quite as much and if this is just a go in and fight and there's not much story, we literally just finished talking about a game that does that, does it very well, and we're all right with that. So uh, I, I'll be fine with that. The Again, big concer- I put 150 hours into Monster Hunter, which was go fight. Yeah, technically there's a story. The, uh, the only problem that I have is, and it's funny you touched on Monster Hunter, is... Is this going to be playable solo, or do you have to be in groups to do certain things? And I know for Monster Hunter, you don't necessarily have to, but it certainly makes life a lot easier if you're grouped up for different things. And I'm wondering if that's going to be the case with this. I'm sure there's going to be some group client, like group uh, activities, like those strongholds. I don't know if there's a solo mode. There's many different difficulty settings, uh, as I said. Uh, as you're leveling, there's an easy, normal, and hard setting, and then once you reach level cap, essentially you unlock their version of the Diablo Torment levels, uh, Grandmaster 1, 2, and 3. And as you progress up those ranks, higher you, you have better chances of gear dropping. They're obviously ripping off the Torment system from Diablo, but why not? It works. Right. Uh, they also briefly talked about crafting. Uh, at points, you can get blueprints. And you can break down items you don't want for components to craft items that you do want. So if you want this really cool assault rifle, you don't have to go out there and grind the boss a thousand times waiting for the one weapon you want to drop. You have to get the blueprint for it, and then you can just make it. And if it doesn't have the random rolls you want, you can break it down, get more components, and just keep trying to craft it. So there's... They said primary point, uh, the primary way of acquiring loot is going to be by killing stuff and getting drops. But they put a system in the game where you're not going to just be bashing your head against a wall forever. Even if you're getting stuff you don't want, you can work towards something that you do want. Okay. Uh, I think that... Yeah. I just think that, you know, eliminating PvP makes the balance system so much better. Oh, That's absolutely. Great. But, like, if Bioware puts out a game, like, as a shooter... I know, yeah, there's kind of a story. It needs to be like, here is the story. Oh, and by the way, you're going to explore it by shooting bad guys with either solo or with your friends. That's, that's I think, what they need to hit. And uh, that's, I just, I can't. They broke my heart. I can't go back to them. Well, I mean, that's kind of 
people putting expectations on Bioware because for many years now, Bioware has been known as the company who makes the really deep story games. But if they set out with a goal to make a game that has a cool world and has a cool setting, but doesn't have that really deep story and they succeed in that goal, that's a success. Like, yeah, they didn't make the game you want and that's fine, but you also can't hold it against them. It's not like they're saying this is going to be a, a great experience and then they, then they deliver Mass Effect Andromeda. If they deliver on their promise with Anthem, just that it's not a traditional Bioware game, I don't see the problem with that exactly. No, you're totally right. If they have defined success and it's just me as a fan of a particular Yeah, and if you don't like it, you're yeah. perfectly allowed to not like it. But at the same time, you can't say it's bad because it's not what's expected. No, I, I try to stay away from saying stuff I don't like is bad. Uh, and I I'm not accusing you of that, but that's a definitely a general consensus a number of people out there have. 100%. I don't like... Uh, yeah, we agree on that completely. It's just... My heart was broken, Vince, and they haven't. I, I understand. Me. I understand. And I, I fully agree with being wary, but at the same time, I'm not going to ignore something just because I was hurt before. All right. So oh, we can get a look at Anthem pretty soon. Uh, like you said, it's coming out at some point in February. Uh, there's a demo for pre-orders starting at the end of January 25th or something like that. And then February 1st through 3rd, there is a freely available open demo to anybody on all platforms. So I'm probably going to check it out. It's going to be a nice chance to get your hands on it. Uh, I'll then, check it out then. That video you were talking about that I posted in Discord today, that was the official trailer from CES, which started today. Yeah. Where NVIDIA announced their partnership with EA for Anthem. But also they announced the new uh, GTX 2060 card, which uh, from what I heard is $349, which is very good price for the amount of performance it's going to be delivering. Uh, it will be completely destroyed by the next generation of the 70 line, but that's just how things work. The 60 line is good, but value oriented. But again, that $350, you also get Anthem and Battlefield 5 for free. Hmm. So that's definitely an avenue to uh consider but only if you get a founder's edition and that needs to be specifically like called out because third parties are already starting to get their lineups for the 2060s uh but unless you get a founder's edition you don't get those free things okay thank you for pointing that out because i was not aware of that yep but as we said it looks really pretty on that card <laughs> yeah i'm curious how it's going to run if i get it on my system so i'll be getting the uh the demo as well and it is coming out on uh february 22nd so there you go. We will see. Again, because of how much time I've been putting in Overwatch as well, my thoughts have kind of changed a little bit with my expectations of what I would like Anthem to be versus what it's going to be and what I would accept and be all right with. And if it's well done, uh, smooth, runs well on my system and, and whatnot, and is essentially kind of like a blend of D Diablo, not Diablo, sorry, uh, Destiny 2 and, and Overwatch, that kind of thing, except PvE versus PvP, I might very well pull the trigger as well. Okay. So let's we'll move find out. Yeah, let's move on to Destiny 2. Marty, there was some new stuff? Yeah, there's been a lot of content, but it's for the dreaded annual pass uh, add-on money grab. Uh, that being said... I have been playing the hell out of this new uh, Black Armory. And uh, it's basically 
uh, a weapons foundry that did not sell to Guardians for forever. Uh, a new patch, a new bunch of content drops tomorrow. It will be the Niobe Labs, where we're going to get interest, uh, excuse me, get information about the creation of Ada One. She is the vendor for this new faction that uh, the only reason why she agrees to sell to you is because she has a connection to Spike. Uh, all here's it's it's fun like it's a new it's a it's a new kind of horde mode that part is boring they do spice it up by randomizing some of the elements uh probably not enough there are i'm unlocking the third uh but you need to get some help um basically th this is a part where that is a problem if you don't have uh, a good crew or nobody else that has the same light level, you're not going to get to unlocking the third forge. You're going to need some other people. But the first two you can unlock. And the second forge is where you get all of the lore. However, all of the lore that comes through drops, uh, which is, the new thing is like you complete something and randomly you get some sort of, you get a notification that you've completed this triumph, which is, which gives you this little story. It's all randomly generated. Uh, it's all, excuse me, not randomly generated. It's all behind a random number generator. So you might, like, there are people who are, like, AFKing off of their matches just to collect all the lore. You shouldn't do that. You should just go to the Ishtar Collective and read it all. Uh, the short story, I've read a couple of them today on my way home while I was waiting for Shannon. They're good. They're fun. Uh, you get to hear, see how, uh, why Ada won and uh, does not care for guardians and why the black armory is found on Nessus and why the black armory is found uh, hidden under parts of the city uh, and how this black armory is an attempt by humanity to retain itself in the face of the power of the traveler and to prepare for the inevitable bad guys come after the traveler. So we better be ready for them. Uh, it is fun. Uh, I'm not entirely convinced that this is a good business model. Uh, I'm a sucker, so I'll eat it up uh, because I'm still enjoying the shit out of Destiny 2. Uh, but tomorrow we get another round where they're going to release more exotics. They're going to re release more catalysts for exotics, hopefully, and uh, new methods to unlocking this, this new uh, foundry, these new weapons, and the lore that is attached to all of it. So if you are thinking now about how much that uh, season pass cost and how much you've gotten from it thus far, yes, we know you're an addict on this and it's hard for you to gauge, but do you think it was do you think it's worthwhile at this point and looking forward to what else is coming? I gotta remember if when I bought the annual pass, if it includes all three seasons or if it's just season of the um, if it's all three seasons and all three seasons are at least this good, then it's totally worth it. I thought if it was it, only the the second season. I would ha I'm gonna have to double check. Like I just don't remember. I okay, correct me if I'm wrong though. I didn't think they'd announce that you could purchase season three yet. Oh, you mean like four? Well, yeah, no, not like Destiny three, but like the next season. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, that's what I meant. Yeah. Yeah, no. The season I'm, pass. Do you think that the second the second season pass thus far is worth it? Yeah, right now, it's a it's a lukewarm yes. 
Um, I just want to make sure uh, and look it up. If you get, there's like two more DLCs that are coming. If those are as good as uh, Black Armory, because Black Black Armory was a bit of a surprise. Uh, there's some story holes in it, but not they're not gaping. The I could theory I theorycraft about it. Um, Destiny is about a civilization in collapse. You're not gonna get the full picture. Information will get lost. Um, but I think uh, <laughs> that's an interesting way to justify bad writing. <laughs> I, I'm not saying it's a bad writing. Like there's, there's plot holes, be... but that would happen naturally <laughs> if civilization well, was crumbling. <laughs> the, the plot hole of the black armory existing, right? <laughs> anyway, uh, there's also um, for those who have not played. The villain of Forsaken uh, will return at some point, uh, and he'll have to be coming into the city as a vendor fairly soon, or by Destiny 3. So that's a big to-do. All right. Was there anything else? Uh, no. No? No. All right. Let's move on to uh, City of Titans. Joe. So this is uh, an interesting one. Uh, not going to be spending too much time on it, but so City of Titans is that spiritual successor to City of Heroes, or at least one of several that are being developed right now. Uh, and it was supposed to have a target release date of 2018, but as we all know, things happen. Games take a long time to build, and, you know, well, you'd rather release something, especially with an MMO that isn't completely broken or you're destined to fail. But one thing that they have been doing, apparently, has been creating buildings. Uh, sounds like a minor thing, but in when you're trying to create an iconic city, it's one of the most important things you can possibly do. Uh, there are two groups of buildings. There are landmarks, which are the ones that are created by designers. Uh, they're places of interest. Uh, they're, you know, key things that are going to have impact on either the story or the world that they're building and they're putting out there. And then you have moguls which our backers got to create or at least come up with the concepts for their own buildings, whether it's NPC buildings or something that just happens to be in the city. Well, we're finally starting to get to see some of these buildings and they're really gorgeous renders. Like, they are. Yeah. The, the, the they, one of them is very clearly inspired by the justice league hall. Justice league. Yep. Yeah. And it looks wonderful. It looks fantastic. You have one that definitely looks like it's Wayne Manor. Uh, you have natural museums. You have a comic book shop that looks rather badass. Uh, Power Works looks like a tattoo shop in there as well. Uh, there's all sorts of cool little things, and they all have different textures and different features. And it's nice to see that they're actually giving time to this because that's one of the things that, like, if you look back at City of Heroes, most of the buildings just kind of looked the same. And it was just, like, random warehouse number 17. So giving a world a little more life in this regard, pretty cool. Well, it, it goes beyond that because what winds up happening a lot of times in, in games, uh, not just like this, but any game that has a, an environment that you can run around a city, is that because it is, uh, it, it's the same group that works on designing the buildings and whatnot, 
a lot of the buildings look like they were designed by the same architect. Like they're they're all mm-hmm. the same shades or the same colors. And I understand some of that is for rendering and different things like that. But even in cases where that's not an issue, it still looks it still looks like a city that was designed and not a, a a grouping of buildings that were designed by a bunch of different people as happens organically in cities everywhere around the world. You know, there there are a few cities where you will have uh, themes, not a theme, but things look very similar, but by and large, no. Architects are designing weird-ass shit because they want to stand out. So the idea of all these buildings that look radically different still being in the same cities and whatnot, I, I love that. Now, the only thing I will say is that if uh, if they're looking for somebody who has any experience in city planning, possibly some education, I am available. Uh, more than happy to help you place these buildings rather nicely. Uh, should that be should that be something you want? Just you know, reach out. Let me know. But no, it, yeah, I agree with you though. The the and the interesting thing for me is that it's it's not just a cohesive style. There are elements of uh, current architecture, like you have your postmodernism, you have your modernism, uh, you have some of your classic colonial styles. Uh, you have some stuff that are straight out of the 70s. Uh, you have a bunch of new wave stuff. It's it's a really good mix that makes it feel like a city that's been around for a while. And that's also kind of important because it's not just like the identity of the architects, but like a lot of times when you go into any MMO that has like a city, yeah, you can get something where it feels cohesive and, and it all fits together, but it's so homogenous sometimes and it doesn't feel lived in. And that doesn't mean worn down buildings. That means older building like the city I live in. And I'm sure mo- most everybody's city that they live in, if they go look like I have a building that was built in the 1800s, one next to one that was built maybe two years ago. Yeah. Like, and that's, that's a sort of how cities work in general. So I, I like the fact that they're, you can see them mixing sort of that style. So I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that this is going to be pretty cool. Is there an actual, did they like, did they push it back or it's just late at this point? They keep pushing it back. It's, it's undecided at this point. Like they, they sort of like took the release date off the table and haven't really given a new one in place of it. But we know that their physics engine is working. We know that the combat system is at least somewhat working. Uh, We know that rendering is working because they have several things that they've put out there uh, where you can see like really good looking grass and like, world effects around like essentially player characters um and it's using the unreal engine so like it's a lot of the stuff's already i hate to say ready to go but i mean we know unreal works really really well so they have a good base to work off yeah definitely okay was there anything else no i'm just i'm eagerly eagerly waiting yeah uh no you're not <laughs> that implies some measure of calm <laughs> And collectedness about it. This is common this, collected. You are far more that. Oh, please! I I can see you salivating when you're looking at some of these pictures. I. It's not my fault. I like superheroes. <laughs> All right, moving on to the council for the last fucking time. <laughs> Yay! Oh, I I almost don't know where to start with the last chapter. <laughs> As you recall, previously on the council. We discovered demons are a real thing. Lord Mortimer and Sir Gregory Holm are both demons, themselves brothers and descendants of a more powerful, more ancient demon. And our protagonist, Louis, is none other than Lord Mortimer's son, a demon himself. So, 
Yeah. Oh, you weren't here for that episode. <laughs> no, I, I I listened to it. Um, really? <laughs> yeah. They they took a hard left turn in episode four. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so all the cool politics stuff was completely thrown out the window in this in this episode. Uh, diving deep into the whole weird demons, uh, secret cabal take over the world. Uh, the two brothers hate each other and want to kill each other. And it... there were a lot of points in this episode where it felt essentially a lot of your decisions didn't feel like they had any meaning to them. Like, I had decided to help Mortimer. Uh, Mortimer killed Holm. And then I went, oh, you killed your brother. I better help him. I, I had no choice but to progress down a certain story path. Uh, the, you know me, I love weird shit. So, like, the, the weird, demonic, eternal being stuff, I wasn't against. I actually would have liked if that was more explained or handled uh oh yeah by the way the twin sisters they're also your sister hope you didn't sleep with one of them Ooh, dude fuck oh, yeah. oh my god yeah <laughs> okay hold on now that's her, that's her. i'm trying to remember is there an option to sleep with her i know that there's flirting i'm pretty involved. sure i did pretty sure there is oh fucking hell because if i remember correctly that's what clued me into the fact that that was the wrong one was that she wouldn't have done that. <laughs> Christ. Yeah. Uh, it. Looking back on the council as a whole, the episodic release was 100% a mistake for them. Because, first of all, we saw it was heavily rushed in some points. Though I will say, I did not notice any technical issues in this one. So... For whatever happened in episodes three and four, they smoothed that out by episode five. But the story was not paced in any sort of way that made it good for episodic content. Like, the reason Telltale Games and Life is Strange work as episodes is they tell self-contained stories. Like, each episode has an arc of its own that fits into the larger arc of the season. And they end at a point where you're like, okay, this is an ending, but obviously still showing you where things are to go with a cliffhanger, a plot twist, something like that to make you want to come back. And Council was really good at the ending cliffhanger plot twist parts, but not with then regaining that momentum for each successive episode. Like each episode after the first one, even the first one started slow, but you expect the first one to start slow. You're establishing the setting and the characters and everything. And then it ends on a big moment. And then when it starts back up, it's, you don't, it's not carrying that momentum from the previous episode through. You're right back to that slow buildup, not really things making sense. Like, for example, I'm not a hundred percent sure because either I missed some dialogue options or something, but. Uh, Elizabeth, uh, Elizabeth Adams, the possessed girl. I think she actually was possessed by the father of Mortimer and home. I can't confirm that because... What's making you guess that, though? Uh, she showed up in some weird dream visions with a definite male voice and just 
hints of stuff that I saw. I, I, I know at one point, like we said, at the end of a chapter, you have the successes, failures, and other stuff you just didn't do. And one of those other things I didn't do was have a conversation with a character whose name I'd never heard before. And it just, it feels to me like that's maybe what they were going with. And it either wasn't explained or I'm looking too much into it, but there was something weird going on there, which would explain why uh, Louis's mother wanted to get rid of it because she, she was a demon herself. She was also uh, Mortimer's sister, I believe, and uh, wanted to get rid of their father. It, it's complicated. And having to cram each of these big story elements into a couple hours of gameplay did not do them favors. Like I think bizarre story and all this would have worked as just one big narrative game instead of coming out episodically dealing with the technical glitches and the rushing and the, the missed pathing and the, the dialogue trees that don't tie together. It's just, it felt very unfinished when you look at it as a whole. I, I already uninstalled it. <laughs> like after Again, I, before I was done The dialogue system, <laughs> still fucking awesome. It was still entertaining doing like the whole uh, skills and stuff, especially by the end of the game when I was running low on resources. I, you know, looted every piece of honey and slurped up all the jelly in the mansion. And I was like, I was low on points and I had to start like actually like making hard decisions as to when to spend them and not. The dialogue system, still a great idea, but the overall product fell short of expectations. Yeah, there's a good game in there somewhere. It's just, it doesn't seem like they did themselves any favors I, I mean, by breaking Look at up Telltale. We know yeah. episodic content is hard. It is brutal on the people who make the games, and the only reason Telltale turned out as much quality stuff is because people just lived at the office. I'm yeah. still hung up on the whole banging your sister thing. That's, that's, that's. Oh, yeah. That, yeah, that's. Whoa, fucking hell. That's a red flag. Yeah, no fucking kidding. All right. Was there anything else? Uh, this is just, your last chance is what I'm saying. <laughs> I kind of want to say more, but I think I'll leave the description with as much of as much closure as the game gave the story. Fair enough. All right, let's move on to Stellaris. You had some news, Marty, obviously. Although, before you start obviously. that, hold on. Vince, you actually started on it. How far did you get? I have. And... Um, it is not a very new player-friendly game. You don't say. <laughs> but every time I quit and restart, I've learned something, and I appreciate that. Yeah, it's also not a... The tutorial is fucking game. terrible. Like, it's it's kind of a joke. It doesn't tell you about things until you just click on something on accident, and you're like, oh, there's a tutorial for this. Maybe you should have told me about that. But it's also a really good game once you learn it. Yeah. Uh, the And they just changed uh, some of the underpinnings of the game, and they have built out this gigantic interstellar economy system. Um, in my current playthrough, which... Uh, I have taken a bit of a break from because it at this point um, it runs so bad on my Mac and my Mac is not old. Um, it also runs bad on my windows partition and my windows partition is still pretty decent. Uh, there's, it's just not really well optimized and it, uh, let me put it this way. 
Uh, I can't watch the cool space battles anymore because it l looks like the the laser beams are just like inching slowly towards their target. Uh, and it's just not fun. Who has time to watch space battles? I've got reports to fill out and economies to balance. Oh my god, that's the other thing. Every 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 month, I get a new alert. God, there's gonna be more of this now. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> They're oh, talking yeah. amongst themselves, Joe. <laughs> get ready. <laughs> the hive mind is forming. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I'll totally. As long as I don't have to worry about people's unemployment numbers in my fucking space empire, sure. <laughs> uh, and that's the thing. Like, it is a a neat twist on this game. It adds a whole new level of gameplay, but I am, uh, I have, uh, I have a, a desire to play a game where it doesn't crash every couple of minutes. I, and uh, new, uh, this game, Stellaris, especially in this new version uh, of the Megacorp expansion, it crashes regularly. And I, it's some sort of weird graphics texture error uh, it crashes even on the Windows side, which blows my mind because uh, it used to run swimmingly. And this just is, they're still working out the bugs and the kinks in this. Yeah, but is it overheating your Mac? Because uh, that's what it sounds like. That's what happened with me with some games. That's why it doesn't matter if it's on the Mac side or the uh, the Windows side because it's maybe. overheating the system. It, it does run hot. It does run real hot. And like my, my fans kick in. And I don't know, I'll have to buy myself like a flipping cooling pad for my uh, stand. Um, Is it, hold on, not to waste sure. too much time on this. You got a, a MacBook or an i or an i uh, MacBook. Oh, okay. Yeah, You're it's probably. a pro. I use it for my data science garbage. It's, again, Stellaris is, this economy system is great, but uh, like when Vince was saying it's not new player friendly, there's no good tutorial on the economy system. And my first place yes, there is, it's called YouTube. Oh, I, yeah, <laughs> I should have watched Acemix videos, right? Like they're fun. I just didn't. Um, you know what? You'd be happy you have those videos. When I was doing this type of shit and fucking Eve online, there was none of this crap. <laughs> oh, Dude, I don't want to fucking hear it. <laughs> my, my ship and Eve is still lost in a galaxy far, far away. <laughs> Man. I I'm never went the, back. I'm still on the kill on site for the Russians, okay? Let's keep it. <laughs> I, did, I did make space Russians one time. Uh, they were fun to play. Um, but there is, you know, the economy system, I was like, crushing and doing great and then all of a sudden my economy collapsed and i could not tell you why like nobody had a job no money was coming in no products were being made my ships were falling apart it was just like one minute i am a, a new golden age of humanity and the next minute like it's the interstellar great depression and we're eating space beans out of space tin cans so it's fun but it's a whole new level of fuckery to play with. Um, new civics. Uh, so you can play space communists if you want. You could also play. Uh, there's also a slave market if you want to play that kind of vile human being or space fungus. Who knows? Uh, it's still a wonderful game. It's just there's a level of complexity added to this new patch that will take a lot of time to master. And if you're trying to break your Stellaris addiction, you, you shouldn't have bought this game. <laughs> like, I haven't messed around with any of the actual like Megacorp stuff. Like I have the Megacorp expansion, 
but like the actual like making your civilization a megacorp i haven't personally messed around with that i've seen some stuff it's really cool what you can do with that as far as like creating branch offices and uh, it, it's pretty pretty in-depth like how how much of a an incredible gameplay change making your civilization a megacorp is compared to any of the number of other options there definitely is a part of me that wants to play Wayland yutani and just make xenomorphs and conquer the galaxy and you know put a xenomorph in every home so really quickly before roger cuts us off have you seen the loot box encounter no so i think in megacorp is when they added in like the interstellar traders that just like blow through your territory yep okay so there's a uh, caravans i think they're called cartels uh that'll just neutral factions that'll randomly show up in your territory and sell you stuff they don't tell you what you're buying at one point i spent a lot of credits on a ship that once i bought it was literally called the junker <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of them when i chose not to buy their bunk beds uh, they might have stolen something out of the treasury on their way out of my system so it's a fun little system that they've added in i came across one that was selling i forget exactly what I, they're called reliquaries and like we don't know what's in the reliquary it's like our our uh it's the way of our people when once it's been sealed by the, the high church or whatever we we don't look inside we don't care what's in it we we pass it on to you and it's literally loot boxes because yeah. you can't buy the reliquaries for energy or credits or anything you can only buy the reliquaries with cartel coins yep and let's say a reliquary costs 10 cartel coins you can only buy the cartel coins in multiples of six. <laughs> Just like shitty in-game extra currencies that you can't buy the fucking quantity you need to use. And there's actually stuff in them. Like, I was like, I get the fuck out of here. I don't care. But I looked it up uh, and like there's actually stuff in them. For the most part, it's essentially equivalent to what you paid for it. Like you get an, an equivalent amount of minerals or alloys or something like that which you could have just gotten yourself on the market. <laughs> and, okay, so yes, sometimes, sometimes they're literally empty, but there yep. is a very, very small chance to get really awesome stuff out of it. I have, I am my current playthrough. I'm, you know, I'm currently always capped at my energy credits and I just was like, fuck it, I'll buy as many of these things as I want. Um, and so... They were all empty. They were literally <laughs> all empty. The probability of that happening is incredibly low, but they were I yeah, they were all empty. I just think it's a it's a little random thing that they put into the game in the latest expansion, and I find it fucking hilarious. There is a it there is a lot of fun to it. It is there's so much going on with it. It's it's just it's just so much fun. It's well worth all the money you pay for it, unless you want to stop playing it and play a different I am perfectly capable of stopping anytime I like. There's a new Path of Exile season going on. Well, that's fair. And with that, we are going to call it a wrap. I was debating whether I should just kind of fade you guys out as you were talking because nobody else really cares. 
or just <laughs> go with it. We'll go with it. Thank you for joining us. You can find the show notes for this at ForTheLore.com. You can find us on iTunes and Stitcher. You can also find us on Twitter at ForTheLore individually. Joe is Loader is Ed J. Vince is Simodian and Marty is Officer Gleason. And with that, we will see you guys next week. Seriously, I was just going to fucking fade out. <laughs> I kept it brief. My own feet. Who do you think of when you have such luck? I'm in love. I'm all shook up. Thank you for listening to For the Lore. If you'd like to hear more from the guys, check out Popcorn Ronin with Roger and Vince, a movie, TV, and anime podcast, as well as Lore Watch, a Blizzard lore podcast co-starring Joe. And if you're into comic books, check out All Comics Considered with Marty and his crew. Lastly, thanks to Manelli Jamal for the show's theme music. You can find him at ManelliJamal.com as well as on iTunes and help support this incredible musician by picking up his CDs.